Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barry. Hello and welcome to Collecting Confidence. My name is John Barrett and today we're going to be talking with Trevor Justice, a coach and author of Attract Love and Respect, Five Ways to Be Valued in Your Relationships. And that kind of fits in with some viewer email that I got or listener email that I got. And if you want to send a question to me, you can at john at collectingconfidence.com. And this question is, When did I have a lack of confidence and what did I do to correct it, give an example? And I thought, well, that's a pretty easy question. But then I got to thinking, when did I have a lack of confidence? And I don't really know when I had a lack of confidence more than when I started getting old enough to ask girls out. That to me was a huge impact on confidence. And it could have gone a couple of different ways. One, Someone could have said yes, and my confidence would have been bolstered. But that whole dating thing is really tough. There's no manual or step-by-step, here's what you do. You simply put yourself out there, and everybody wants to be liked by their peers. But when you're dating, you don't know if they're going to like you. You don't know if they're going to say yes. So you put yourself out there and say, hi, would you like to go see a movie with me? And they say no, and of course you think you're a horrible person, and nobody likes you, and your confidence is shot. Or... They say yes, and you're on top of the world. So I think probably when I started asking people out, because I I didn't have a car, I didn't have a career, I didn't, you know, I wasn't bringing a lot to the table, and I knew that it was not going to be an easy sell. And I asked a lot of people out, and I got turned down a lot. So when they talk about failure is a great way to gain (laughs) gain your confidence. Yes, it is. It's painful, but. Failing is one of the ways that leads to confidence. And the other thing that I would say was that I got really lucky because when I was in high school, I was on the gymnastics team. And when I became a junior, I decided that rather than go out for a winter sport, I would do the manager of the girls' gymnastics team. That would be my role. And as manager, I'd move around some equipment for them and spot them. But then I had a lot of time where I could just bounce on the trampoline and tumble on the floor and essentially have a second gymnastics season. And I got pretty good, actually, because I had that extra time. But I also got to talk with the girls. And the girls on the gymnastics team, most of them were also on the cheerleading squad. So it wasn't a bad group of people to hang out with. And I started off by being a guy and let's not talk to them. But over time, they came to accept me and they would talk in front of me very openly, uh, sometimes too openly. And I learned a lot from listening to them. And they would talk about their boyfriends, what the boyfriends did, what the boyfriends shouldn't have done, or what the boyfriends should have done. And that was really helpful to know what was expected from a boyfriend. That was a great learning experience. And that really helped with my confidence. But it also showed me that a lot of times these people that I really looked up to, the girls on the gymnastics team, They just assumed that the guy would know or the guy would know what he should or shouldn't do or what he should say or that things didn't go well and now he better bring me flowers or he better say he's sorry or whatever it is. And that's something that I think that most people have problems with is they just assume the other person can read their mind. They just assume the other person will know what to do. 
And we're all wired differently. We all want different things. And we shouldn't take for granted the fact that someone will know what we want. And we should make sure that we're communicating that. And these girls, while they did teach me a lot, also taught me that there's a lot of expectations where they just wanted the guys to jump through a hoop and magically come up with an answer that the women were thinking about, but the guys weren't. And I'll I'll be honest and say that on behalf of this guy, um, this guy didn't do a lot of thinking. I'm not out there trying to outthink women. I just was going through my day to day. And so if it didn't hit me over the head, I probably wouldn't recognize it. I need less than subtle suggestions when people are trying to say, maybe you should do this, maybe you should do that. I need less than subtle suggestions. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about today with Uh, Trevor, we're going to talk about being able to speak out and ask for the things that you really want or need rather than sitting back and accepting it or sitting back and hoping the other person can magically come up with it. So stick around. We'll talk with Trevor Justice and we'll gain some confidence. Joining me now is Trevor Justice, and Trevor is a relationship coach specializing in anxious attachment, as well as an award-winning speaker and author of Attract, Love, and Respect. Thank you for joining us today, Trevor. Glad to be here. I'm very interested in this. We haven't had a lot of talk about love and respect and relationships, but the very first thing we do have to talk about is confidence. And so the question is, what does confidence mean to you? Good question. First of all, I believe confidence is the opposite of doubt. But as it pertains to love relationships, I would say it means that you believe I'm good enough. I'm lovable. Nothing's wrong with me. In fact, I'm exactly as I was meant to be. And I matter. The people that we help often have, as you mentioned, anxious anxious attachment. Anxious people, when something doesn't go well in their relationship, often make it mean that there's something wrong with them, that they're not good enough, that, and they get worried about that. This is the the foundation that helps people to to make their relationships work and feel valued. So the, the self-doubt that we have, and we have it in a lot of different areas where we play that little voice in our head, that self-doubt comes into the love relationships as well, correct? And how does that start? What What puts that self-doubt in our minds? Mm, okay. Well, are you familiar with anxious attachment? I mean, I'm sorry, are you familiar with attachment styles? I am not. Would it be okay to just explain the three styles? Sure. And how that pertains Please. to your question? Okay, great. There are three styles, and it's your style mostly is determined by your childhood. It can be determined by other things, but just I'm going to oversimplify it to make it really easy to understand. Let's say when you're a baby, you cry and nobody comes. Well, you may grow up with a fear of abandonment, and you end up having an anxious attachment style. On the other hand, let's say that when you're a toddler and you want some independence, your parents are smothering you and being overprotective and never letting you have any freedom. You may have the opposite, which is an avoidant attachment style, where you really want space and you feel suffocated by too much intimacy and togetherness. In the middle is a secure attachment style, and that's where your parents treated you just right. They gave you the right amount of 
care and um, showing up for you reliably when you needed them, but they also gave you the right amount of independence. I don't think that secure people have too much of a problem when it comes to feeling confident in relationships. They feel confident enough to assert themselves if their needs aren't being met or to set boundaries. Avoidant people, as far as being confident goes, I do not, I don't want to say that I'm an expert on what it's like to be avoidant because I'm not avoidant. I'm on the spectrum of anxious. And I've gone through a journey of learning to overcome this and to cope with it and to to express my needs and demonstrate self-respect even when I feel afraid of upsetting my partner. And that's the challenge that anxious people have. And so now I've been helping other anxious people with the same problem. So getting back to your question, it goes back to our childhood. If in your childhood something happened that made you feel hurt, shamed, disappointed, left out, rejected, chances are that you developed a belief in childhood, which we call your shadow belief. And your shadow belief is something like, I don't matter. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Or something's wrong with me. Those are the four most common. And so if you have that from childhood, you might spend your whole life trying to disprove it. Like you think deep down, you worry you don't matter. So you spend your whole life doing things to prove that you matter. But the shadow belief is still there. And so that's what causes people in uh, love relationships or any other relationships to doubt themselves. And so how did you get into a position where you wrote a book on this, the Attract Love and Respect, Five Ways to Be Valued in Your Relationships. Mm -hmm. How did you get to that point where you decided, we have to put this together, we have to pull something together so people can learn? (laughs) Sure. Well, first, like I said, I went through my own journey. I, I studied at the Ford Institute and the Center for Spiritual Living. I did lots of workshops and retreats that helped with this whole issue. In every relationship, including mine, there are moments of truth. A moment of truth, that's my phrase to describe a moment where something rubs you wrong. And you have the choice to either stay silent and kind of act cool, right? Play it cool and not say anything because you don't want to upset your partner. When you do that, you teach your heart that you don't deserve better, that you don't deserve what you need. And I believe it also even sends a message to the universe. You also have the choice to demonstrate that you respect yourself more than you fear upsetting or losing your partner. And it's hard. It takes some guts, right? Because there's a risk. But when you do that, not only do you show your partner that you value yourself and kind of train them to value you more as well, but you teach your heart that you're worthy of that thing you're you're asking for. And and you even send out signals to the universe, I believe, that attract people who will value you more. Once I made the internal changes that we're talking about, the women that came into my life changed, the kinds of women. Instead of attracting girlfriends who, look, I don't want to say judgments about anybody. I'll just say that I had some girlfriends who, when I was with them, I felt disappointed frustrated or taken for granted. I didn't feel valued the way I wanted to. And when I made these internal changes, the women who showed up and who I then have relationships with were all respectful. 
And a few years later, I met the woman who became my fiance. And she treats me 100% with respect. By changing my self-worth and how I value myself, and most importantly, the willingness to demonstrate valuing myself in relationships, even at the risk of upsetting my partner, changed who I attract. And so then I helped my friend Emily do the same thing. And now she's living with her soulmate. In fact, she just had a baby with him. And then I decided, you know what, I, I want to help other people. So I decided to start this business. I thought the first step was to write the book, which I did. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of testimonials from people that have read the book or worked with me as a client. And uh, so I feel I'm on the right path. Well, this is great. I'm Now I'm a little bit curious about the term anxiously attached because I've known my wife since she was in first grade and we just celebrated our 36th anniversary. We at our wedding had, I've made a covenant with my chosen. And I think, gosh, I wonder if I'm anxiously attached and just don't recognize it because she's my everything. Tell me about anxiously attached and why that's so hard on a relationship on that, on that person who is anxiously attached. Sure. Yeah. So when you're anxious, you fear rejection, you fear abandonment. And the main thing is that the smallest sign that your partner might be pulling away makes you get very worried. So maybe you text your partner in the morning and then at 5.30 or 6 p.m. you haven't heard back and you're freaking out. Why haven't they got back to me yet? Is something wrong? Did I, did I make a mistake? Did I mess up? That's what an anxious person tends to think. And then the something that they may do is to start texting the person a lot. Is everything okay? I haven't heard from you. What's going on? And send multiple texts or leave multiple voicemails, right? Depending on who their partner is, if the partner is secure, that might be okay. May or may not. If the person's avoidant, it's definitely going to push them away. So one of the things that I teach people is, is how to cope when you have anxious attachment. And we could talk about that here if you want to. Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. The other thing I mentioned at the beginning is that when you have anxious attachment and, and something doesn't go the way you wanted in your relationship, you tend to make it mean that you did something wrong or you're not good enough. And we help people to reframe the meanings that they make about these interactions to realize, oh, it's not me. I did nothing wrong. I'm fine. The other person has these tendencies that have nothing to do with me or my self-worth. One thing that I teach is to think about a funhouse mirror. You know, when you, you go to like a, an amusement park and there's those crazy mirrors that make you look really fat or really skinny or really tall. So when you, you look in the mirror, even though you look really distorted, you're not scared or worried because you know it's a funhouse mirror, right? When you're anxious, it's useful to have the same perspective. So you start to feel, oh, I haven't heard from my partner. It's 530. I'm feeling worried. But recognize, oh, this is my anxious attachment coming out right now. 99% of the time, nothing's wrong. When you just recognize that this is your anxious voice, your anxious mind, your anxious heart coming out and being worried and have consciousness about that, it helps you to, to feel more calm. When you're talking with and coaching people, tell me a little bit about, I see one of the things that you talk about is the standing up for yourself. And I know that when people are 
lacking confidence, that can sometimes be difficult to do because they don't feel they have the right. They don't feel they have the self-worth. They don't feel they should be doing that. Talk to me a little bit about that, about the standing up for yourself. Yeah, basically, it comes down to fear. I'm afraid that if I express my needs or ask for what I want, my partner will get upset or maybe even leave. But when you downplay your needs, your partner learns to prioritize what they want, not what you want. When you put yourself second, your partner puts you second because people value you as much as you value yourself. And believe it or not, it might be counterintuitive, but when you demonstrate your value by expressing those needs or setting those boundaries when it feels hard, one, one of two things will happen, okay? Either your partner will learn to value you more. They'll know your needs, the ones that you're not expressing, and they'll be more likely to value you because you're demonstrating that you value yourself. You're demonstrating self-respect. Now, the other outcome is maybe they do get upset. Maybe they don't want to meet your needs. All the more reason why it's important to start speaking up for yourself early in a relationship. Because if someone isn't able or willing to meet your needs or to value you, don't you want to know that sooner rather than later? One of the things, too, that you're talking about was people pleasing and pleasing other people is usually a good thing. My wife and I are both people pleasers. I'm the much more selfish one, though, and will often do stuff that I want to do because I want to do it. But she'll do stuff because she knows that other people want this to happen. And so like when we go on vacation, she likes to make sure everybody has a good time at the result of her not being able to do any of the stuff that she wants to do because she's trying to please other people. How mm -hmm. does being a people pleaser backfire in a relationship? Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting to meet your partner's needs. I mean, I want to meet my fiance's needs and I try to say yes whenever I can. But sometimes it's it's beyond my limits. Obviously, it's important to care about your partner and try to meet their needs. Most of the people that we work with, however, are putting themselves second and prioritizing their partner's needs above their own. Because those are the people that we help, and it's always imbalanced in that way, we really have to work with people pleasers to start to express their own needs and put themselves on equal footing. They always fear upsetting or losing their partner more than they respect themselves. We want it to be at least equal. But honestly, think of a wealthy celebrity who's very attractive, okay? They're dating somebody. Are they going to have any qualms about if something rubs them wrong? Are they going to have any qualms about saying, you know, in the future, I would really like this instead? Probably not, because they think they're a great catch. And they are, right? By, by our societal standards, if they're wealthy, they're famous, they're rich, attractive. When someone believes that, I'm a, I'm a great catch. This person's lucky to be with me. They're not going to be afraid to assert themselves. And, and that's what we help people that don't have that belief about themselves to be able to do. You were talking earlier about how people are a result of how they are brought up. To a great extent, they're sort of wired that way, sometimes genetically, very often by what they're around in the very beginning. How much impact do you think there is on the role models that we see as we go through life, the other couples that we see, the couples that we're surrounding ourselves with, do we, are we impacted by that as much as we were by what we saw growing up? I don't think the other couples that you see are so impactful, but 
your first relationships, like if you're a teenager and you, you, your first love breaks your heart or whether they're or maybe they suffocate you and they overwhelm you. It could be either one that can affect your attachment style. And what would you suggest to people if they're looking for a coach? What are they? What is the coach going to help them with? What will that do for them? I'm on the email lists of a few other relationship coaches, dating and relationships. One thing that I guess I feel disappointed by is sometimes they teach tactics that are not authentic, right? Like they give you pre-written text messages and just say, send this text message, right? To make the person uh, pursue you. You know, they'll say, play it cool and just let the other person set the pace, right? Don't ask for too much. Don't be needy. The thing about those kinds of strategies is that they tend to really appeal to avoidant partners. So if you're dating someone that does want a lot of space and independence and feels smothered by too much intimacy, these tactics are great to keep them in a relationship. But ultimately, when you finally reveal what you're needing and wanting or what that what doesn't feel good, someone like that is is not going to be able to meet your needs. So again, that's why I recommend demonstrating your value, expressing your needs, setting boundaries as early in a relationship as possible. Now, you don't have to bring it up on a first or second date and say, hey, here's my needs and boundaries. But when it comes up organically, when something doesn't feel good, that's the moment of truth where you have an opportunity to demonstrate your value. Did I answer that's, your question? Yeah, that's that's a great answer. I was uh, talking with my cousin about the, I guess, stereotypical oh, he'll change once we're married and the people that expect that they're going to be able to change the person that they're dating. And I thought that's not at all what you want. What you don't want is the person who's changed just so you can feel like you can date them. And then once you get married, they go back to who they really are. Oh, which yeah. You, which you might not like at all. I know that we spend a lot of time courting and putting on our best show to try to get these people to like us. And then once they like us, we go, oh, whew, now I can relax and go back to doing what I want to do. And talk to me about the authenticity coming into a relationship, being authentic rather than trying to be that people pleaser. Right. Okay. Yes. The main area, again, that, that we help people with is being authentic when it comes to expressing their needs or setting boundaries. And people have, some people have a fear of asking for what they want or expressing needs. And it's, and I'll tell you that it can be a valid fear if the way that you communicate what you want is judging or making the other person wrong. Okay. So if you're living in the world or more importantly, speaking in the language of good, bad, right, wrong, should, shouldn't, and you say to your partner, let's say you go to a party and your partner leaves you by yourself and goes to mingle with their friends and you don't like that. You could say, that was really insensitive, or who in the world leaves their partner to go in for, for, for half an hour and mingle with their friends? That's not cool. Those kinds of reactions are judging the other person. And of course, the other person is probably going to get upset <laughs> or not feel good or shut down, right? It's not going to open their heart. So one of the ways that we help people is teaching them a different kind of language when they make requests so that it opens their partner instead of making their partner feel defensive or or go into fight or flight mode. And 
I know that in a lot of relationships, communication is a huge problem, how we communicate with each other, but also how we com- communicate with ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. Can you talk to me about the importance of good, honest, open communication with the other person and how that impacts that relationship? Yeah. You know, I'm just realizing that there's a part two of my answer from the last question. So I just gave an example of a way that your language might be judging or shaming, but how could you express your needs in a way that opens your partner and evokes empathy? So let's say, again, your partner has left you at a party for a half hour to mingle with their friends. Afterwards, you could say, when you left me by myself for that half hour, I felt alone and I felt disappointed. I would, I feel so happy and safe when we're, when we stay together at a party. And I would really love if we could do that in the future. What difference do you hear between the two approaches? Yeah, that's a huge difference rather than putting the blame on them. And yeah, it's the difference of one language has a morality, right? You did something wrong. You were bad. You shouldn't do that. The other is just, these are my feelings and these are my needs. And and that's so much more opening. Less accusatory. Yeah, but not only is it less accusatory, it's more vulnerable. It allows your partner to know the impact on you and how you felt in your heart and your body. And that evokes empathy. A lot of times people will say something like, I feel that you are inconsiderate. Is that a feeling? Not exactly. Right. Or they'll say, I feel like you didn't care about me. Is that a feeling? No, not not really. (laughs) So anytime you say, I feel that, or I feel like, what comes next is probably going to be a judgment Uh about the other person, which would be more likely to shut them down or make them get defensive. But if you stick with pure emotions or body feelings, that's what opens them. So the difference would be like, I felt hurt. I felt disappointed. I felt sad. And you can also share with them how you feel when that need is met. You know, when we're when we stay together at a party, I feel safe. I feel happy. I feel joy. Give me an example from perhaps your life or someone you've heard about who had something that rubbed them wrong in a relationship. Maybe we can do another example. I had a person in college that I spent a lot of time with, but they had other people that they'd rather spend time with rather than me. And so I felt like a little bit like chopped liver sometimes. I wasn't Mm -hmm. a priority. Okay. All right, great. So so what you might have said was, I I feel like I'm not a priority. That's actually not so bad because it's not like saying, I feel like you're inconsiderate. But what I want to point out is that that's the meaning that you're making. So a judgment is another way of saying a meaning or an interpretation or a story, right? The the meanings that you come up with in your head. And that's different than a pure feeling. So you could say, I feel like I'm not a priority. Or you could say, when you don't spend the time with me that I would like, I feel disappointed. I feel sad. And when we're together, then share the positive feelings, right? Of when your needs are met. When we spend time together, I feel joy, and I want more of that. That's great. And if you do want to, uh, some people really feel compelled to say the meaning that they're making as well. Like they don't want to withhold that, right? So a clean way to do it, which uh, doesn't 
would be less likely to make your partner defensive would be to say, you know, when, when we don't spend the time together, I would like, I feel disappointed and I make it mean that I'm not a priority. Or you could say, I feel disappointed and I'm making a story in my head that I'm not a priority. When you own the story that you're making or the meaning that you're making, it's, it's less accusatory. It's less likely to make the other person get defensive because you're owning that. It's not an objective fact. It's the story you're coming up with. And I know that there's a lot of times where people are in a relationship because they want to be in a relationship. And even though this isn't the right relationship, it's a relationship. And that's better than not being in a relationship in their eyes. How do you convince someone? How do you tell them to have a little bit more self-worth and say, you deserve something better. You deserve the right person. Mm-hmm. Attracting that love and respect. How do you how do you go about convincing them? Because that's got to be a tough thing to tell them is you don't want to be in a bad relationship just to be in a relationship. It's not something you can just tell in five minutes. It requires going through a transformative process. Like what I did with the Center for Spiritual Living and the Ford Institute. We've created an eight-week program to help people go through that process. And it starts with the first half is all working on your, your yourself, replacing your shadow beliefs, reframing the meanings that you're making about things to realize, oh, there's actually nothing wrong with me. And what my partner is doing is actually not a reflection of my worth. And then the second half is practicing demonstrating your value and showing self-respect in relationships when those moments of truth come up. If people want to find out more about you and your book and the coaching that you do, how can they how can they get in contact with you? So our business website is attractloveandrespect.com. And I've set up a special page for your listeners if they want to get a free book. It's just attractlovegift.com. And at that page, they can get a, a free book, which currently is the, the one called Change Who You Attract and How You're Treated. Now, if someone's listening in a year from now <laughs> to this episode, there might be something else on there, but there's always going to be some kind of free gift. That is great. And before we go, do you have a final tip that you could give people to help them to gain or maintain their confidence? I would say, first of all, I recommend that if you're having the kind of challenges that I've talked about, you take an attachment quiz to find out what your attachment style is. If your listeners want to contact me through our website, be happy to send them a link to take that quiz. If you discover that you're anxious, like I said earlier, recognize that when those worries come up because something very small happened, like you didn't hear from your partner as soon as you would have liked, recognize that that is your attachment style coming up. And just like a funhouse mirror, It's not a reflection of reality, at least 99% of the time, it's not. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go get that free book. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Today's tip of the day is that no one is a bigger critic or a bigger supporter of you than you. So champion your own needs to gain confidence.
Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about Confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.